welcome to the first episode of The Big Red Farmhouse, a podcast brought to you by Wanakee, a summer camp and retreat center in Meredith, New Hampshire. We're your hosts. I'm Shannon Drew. I'm Amelia Luke. And I'm Nicole Richards. On this podcast, you'll be hearing stories from Wanakee's six decades in ministry, and you will hear from some people that you may know from your time at camp, as well as some people you may have never crossed paths with before. We'll be asking our guests to share some of their most memorable moments at camp and to share with us and all of you how some of these moments have affected their lives. We hope the stories you hear will also take you back to some of your most cherished memories at Wanakee, where we hope you have felt loved, accepted, challenged, and provided opportunities for growth in the beautiful spiritual place in the hills. Awesome. Let's get started. This is our first episode. Yay. (laughs) It's exciting. Um, So in this episode, we are going to be interviewing each other. So you get to know a little bit about each of us and our connection to Wanakee. And in the future episodes, we'll be interviewing other people who have been connected with camp throughout the generations and sharing some of their stories. Nicole, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to camp? Sure, Amelia. My my name is Nicole Richards, and I have been involved with Wanaki for more than 30 years. And my Wanaki story starts actually with my grandparents uh, on both sides of my family who were wise enough to send their children to Wanaki in the 60s and 70s. And so my parents were campers together in high school, although they, they didn't stay in touch, but uh, a couple of years later, they re-met as volunteers at a week at Wanaki, and they have just uh, celebrated 38 years of marriage. So, um, got three, well, four decades now in my um, in my Wanaki story, including my uh, my nieces, who I have also taken to camp. Um, I came to Wanaki as a you and me camper with my mom when I was four years old. And I continued going to Wanaki every summer until I was 16. Um, I was an s- extremely devoted swim camper and also a youth volunteer, along with um, some members of my family, as well as family members of the other swim camp directors, the Ives family. Um, then in high school, I went to senior high and did the leader, leader in training program and then I worked on staff for four summers and was a counselor, volunteer counselor and director for survival camp um, from 2010 to 2017. And um, Wanaki just can't get rid of me. I have, uh, <laughs> I served on the program committee for nine years and I am finishing out my ninth year on Wanaki's board of directors, which I currently chair. Mm. Um, and I was lucky enough to be a camper for two summers. My uh, partner and I brought two of our nieces to family camp a couple a couple of years back, and they can't wait to come back to Wanakee. So, um, yeah, I am a, a lifelong supporter of Wanakee, and um, that's just my my plan for the rest of my days. <laughs> and what do you do um, outside of Wanakee? Uh, I have a big change coming in my life soon. I'm going back to school, which I'm super excited about. Um, I currently live in Denmark with my partner, and I am going to be beginning a social and special education program in a couple of weeks here. And that's I'm really excited about that. 
Um, in addition to that, I also volunteer at a few organizations here. Um, here where I live, one is a YMCA social club, and I'm also a scout leader, which is something that was uh, that was new to me, but having all um, sorts of different experiences at Wanaki, um, that's been a fun, a fun treat to build on some skills there. And in the future, I hope to have my own nonprofit that is working with teens and young adults who need extra, a little extra support in life. Um, so that's what keeps me, what keeps me busy uh, outside of my, uh, my love and support of Wanaki. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Amelia, do you want to tell us how you came to Wanaki? Yeah, absolutely. So my parents first found out about Wanaki through the local Methodist church that they had started attending with my younger brother and I. And my mom decided to take me to Wanaki when I was four. It was the summer of 2003, and I was pretty grumpy about going to camp. I remember not wanting to go at all. And as a child, I didn't like new experiences. So I think that was where my hesitation came from. But after the three days of you and me that we attended together, I think I was pretty much sold on camp. I have lots of um, pictures from disposable cameras across the years <laughs> that just show me like, you know, holding my counselor's hands and hugging my friends. And I just loved camp. Um, and I came for at least one week every summer until I was 17 years old. And throughout those years, I was a loyal survival camper. Um, and that's how I met Unicol. And I started going to survival camp in 2010 and just fell in love with the program and this idea that I could really learn new things at camp and learn skills that not everyone else had at school. Like no one else knew how to filter water through a sock um, or start a fire. So that was what made me so fascinated and love the program a lot. And I made a lot of friends um, along the way. And I did that until I was eligible for LIT and participated in that program. After I finished that out, I, I volunteered for survival camp as a counselor, which is like a very cool full, full circle moment for myself. And then the following summer, was hired as a counselor. And then um, the summers after that, I transitioned into program staff. I've worked in the ropes course and as the faith formation coordinator. And now my fourth summer here, I'm doing a bit more communication media um, things for camp. But yes, that overall, that's, uh, that's how I got to be where I am today. And I love Wanaki and I see myself being a part of it for, for a long time. Great. Um, what what do you do outside of camp? I'm currently a student, um, so I attend the University of Vermont, which next to Wanaki is my favorite place. Burlington is high up there. It is like another, you know, Wanaki, if you will. There's mountains, and I love being in nature, so I spend a lot of time hiking and doing things like that up there. And I'm studying um, communications, and I am going into my senior year of that, and after I finish that up, I'll be uh, in a master's program for my degree in public administration. And I'll wrap that up in a couple of years and then uh, the world is my oyster. <laughs> awesome. That's, um, that's really a lot to, like a lot of things going on. And it sounds like uh, you've found a nice place that you get to have a little bit of that feeling of camp in your um in your new home environment in Burlington. That's, that's really cool. Definitely. Yeah. 
Shannon, what about you? How did you get connected with Wanakee? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Milford, New Hampshire, um, and I went to the Milford Methodist Church where Tom Getchelacy was the pastor for like most of my childhood. And um, I'm about the same age as Danny. And so my family was introduced to Wanakee through church because just most of most of the Mumsy kids went to Wanakee. And so in, I think, 2006, I went to You and Me camp with my mom and my older sister, Leslie, went that same half week and she did Mammal Mania. Um, and after that, we just um, kept going back every year. We really we both really loved it. And my mom. My mom says that she remembers Leslie coming home from that first week and saying that she, that Leslie knew that she was going to work at camp when she was older. And I don't think I was so sure at the time, um, but I did love camp. And so I went back every year and I did a bunch of different programs and I tried a bunch of things. Um, then I did senior high after I was a freshman in high school and I had just a really, really amazing week. Um, it's a big change of pace and it was so special to be in a place where it was okay and cool to be silly and to have fun and enjoy um just enjoy each other's company um and I think I really needed that at the time and the year after that I did senior high again and that summer Leslie was on staff she was a counselor and I think that that's when I really realized that like I really wanted you really was something special to me and I really wanted to to stay involved forever um, and then the summer after that, 2016, I didn't come to camp, which does make me a little sad. Um, and then 20, 2017, I applied to work here and I worked in the kitchen that first summer. And then I was a counselor in 2018 and 2019. And now here we are making a podcast. <laughs> here we are. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What do you, what do you do outside of your Wanakee life, Shannon? I am also a student. I am going into my last semester of college in just a few weeks now. Um, I study international relations and Middle Eastern studies at Hobart and William Smith Colleges, which is a very small school in New York State. Um, and yeah, so I do my studies there and I, <laughs> I work for the radio station and that's that's the big part of my life outside of here. radio host oh, over yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, one of the common threads that that we have is each of us came when we were very young and also with the you and me program you come with usually a family member um if not a very close um you know very close family friend and i'm just curious from the two of you what like how does wanaki fit into your family life oh interesting yeah. i think that for me, we've definitely, my family has become a real, a real Wanaki family, um, probably from when Leslie started working here and then I started working here and now my dad's on the board and both of my parents come and volunteer and we bring our dog to the 5k. <laughs> um, He's a star. So we've, we've all been around. Um, and yeah, Wanaki, I did you and me with both of my parents and it was like definitely a really special time to spend with them. Um, and now it's like a big part of, I think, all of our, all of our lives. Yeah. Mm. Um, for me, so I mentioned I have a younger brother and he also attended camp from the age of four. And so both of my parents were you and me campers. My dad was also a you and me on the hill camper, which he is a huge advocate for. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I loved getting to experience that with them. And the fact that they know 
um, a little bit about what my life is here in the summer really helps them to appreciate, I think, this place even more. Um, and my brother is no longer a camper, but really looks fondly on his camper years and always, you know, we when we talk about it, it was just some of the best weeks of our lives. We were campers together a lot, which um, was definitely interesting for us. But I think looking back, it did bond us and give us some common ground. And we have a lot of shared memories in those sites. And I think that is really special for us. And now my younger cousins attend camp and Shannon has had both of them as campers and (laughs) they've been my campers as well. And my aunt also attended camp uh, with me as a UME camper. So that's fun to have this little extended family that come to camp and already both of them are talking about applying for staff and being in LIT. Um, So I can't wait for, for the day when that comes in. There's another generation of my family on staff. Mm, that's great yeah it's definitely really special and your family is very involved here Nicole the the Richards Bovey clan is always hanging out here (laughs) yes we uh I think once uh once my generation of uh my siblings and my cousins started attending camp we we've never left um is really what what has happened which is a really fun is a really fun connection. Um, I believe my my uncle was also a staff member. Okay. Well, let's do some math here. <laughs> I guess it would be in this at some point in the seventies. Uh, he was on team maintenance. I have also been on team maintenance. Um, and yeah, my you know I came uh, came to Wanaki also for family camp weekends. I think either in September, yeah, possibly September. Um, back when the family camp area of camp was um, used primarily for tent camping, um, I would come with my nuclear family. And I have very vague memories of my grandparents, um, my dad's folks also camping there, um, and possibly aunts and uncles and some cousins. Wow. Um, yeah. So the the connection, and, and I, I, as I mentioned, I have served on staff my... Um, my mom directed swim camp for about 30 years. My sister was also on staff and something she and I have a, she, we share a lot about camp um, as young adults. She's eight years older than me. So when, when she was a staffer, I was still sometimes quite a young camper and sometimes mm-hmm. a, a, a little middle-aged camper there, but she, uh, she came and volunteered for, um, almost the entire summer or the entire summer when I was program director for one of those years. So Mm. we got to spend a lot of time together at camp, both as adults, which is also really special. Um, And then, yeah. And then with my, my cousin Mara, who, who is also serving on the board with me now and has worn many, many hats at camp um, directing different events and, um, having different roles at Wanaki, the the family connection is really strong there. Yeah, it's so interesting to me that I feel like even um, campers who didn't come to UME, parents are still so involved yeah. with this place, and it's not just a a childhood thing; it's really a, a thing for yeah. everybody. I think it's really special. I think part of the reason we wanted to do a podcast was like to try to highlight the intergenerational nature of Wanaki, and I think it's really. It's so cool to me to see how families are yeah. connected. Yeah, it's so fascinating. Yeah. 
it it's also is also really fun to as as you grow if you come to Wanaki as a camper and if you become a staff member or volunteer or in any other kind of capacity um you go through those transitions of having someone who either was your counselor or director and maybe they become your co-counselor or your mm. co-director <laughs> or you become the program director yeah. and you're kind of supervising that volunteer relationship it's something i think really special about um about the way like just the ethos of Wanaki that it's intergenerational by its nature and age age doesn't matter um once you once you become an adult um meaning 18 yes legal legal adult it's like you can have any job function and that person who was your counselor when you were six might be one of your co-workers now yeah that's really cool i think yeah it is. i think we've both had we've both been on staff with our counselors in the past years yeah, yeah. Yep. have you were was that part of your experience as well nicole when you were on staff well yes i, I when i was when uh i guess five or six years old i went to wee bits which oh. is what we, <laughs> yes which is what uh the current happy feet camp for kindergartners and first graders was called in that time okay and I went two years, so I could be mixing up the matches, but I had both Jean Fairburn Moore as mm. one of my counselors and Gary Storms. I believe, I believe they were paired together. And um, so that would have been sometime in the early to mid nineties. And uh, in 2004 and 2005, I was on staff with Gary Storms. He had um, come back to Wanaki as our arts and crafts person, having not been on staff for a number of years, um, but having come back. So he knew me when I was five or six years old, and then we were colleagues. Um, and for Jean, um, she became uh, one of the co-directors in 2006. So for my um, years as program director in 2007, 2008, she was she was my boss, but she also, again, had known me since I was um, a wee bit, mm. as, we, <laughs> as we would have called ourselves. And also Mike Moore was um, one of my swim camp director, uh, swim camp counselors, and he was also um, my boss during those years. And um, transitioning to working on the committees and on the board with them, it's, you, you can go through a lot of transitions at, um, at camp, um, just wearing a lot of different hats and growing growing together as uh you know in relation to your time at Wanaki is, is is quite special definitely yeah it kind of highlights this idea that we are all family here at Wanaki and Wanaki is you know when you're here your family that <laughs> I forget what saying that is from but it does feel that way um and that you have your immediate family that join you but also your camp family that is is really fun and special so Oh, it's very cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, Nicole, you mentioned in your camp history, swim camp, you said you're a loyal swim camp uh, camper. Would you mind talking a little bit about that as a program and why it was the camp that really you kept going back to throughout the years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so swim camp was, I, I would call it probably one of the grounding programs that we ran at Wanaki for about 30 years from, I suppose it would be the early 70s until the late 2000s. It could have been in the 60s. I'm not totally sure. 
Um, but that came about, um, Marilyn Ives was the, the, the founder of that camp and, and, um, her husband, Chris, uh, who's also a pastor was a pastor, I should say. Um, he was the administrator of Wanaki in some years of the sixties. Um, and Marilyn had, had been, I think, profoundly impacted by, um, a number of accidents and drownings of young people, um, because they didn't know how to swim safely, not at Wanaki, mm -hmm. just in, in the world. And the American Red Cross had been working on, um, on creating programming to teach water safety. And so she had the idea to bring this water safety program to Wanaki. Um, I also went to Red Cross swimming lessons one or two years as a kid. And it's a program that usually you expand over 10 weeks. Um, you have an hour swim lesson per week. Um, at Wanaki, you have five whole days. So you do 10 lessons in five days, um, which is really a lot, especially when you're a, a little, a small, small kid um, going through that. But you learn different water safety skills um, and different different types of strokes, different proficiencies, and also get introduced to mouth-to-mouth uh, -mouth resuscitation. So we all had to practice that and saw the water safety video. So for any you swim campers out there, whale's tail, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's an amazing, uh, amazing water safety video. If I can find a link to it, I will will definitely put it in the show <laughs> notes. Um, amazing. But yeah, so it was uh, the Ives. Ives family was um, were directors of that for that whole span. And uh, my mom became involved a couple of years after it started um, as well. So it was sort of a, a, we had a whole fleet of volunteers that would um, be teaching the swim lessons, certified water safety instructors. And it was mostly of the Ives and Richards clan. And so that for me was also one one way that family also continued to be involved. So I, I stuck with it because I loved being able to go from level to level, sort of that um, progression and opportunities for growth mm -hmm. that I definitely want to touch on with you, Amelia, about survival camp. Yeah. And yeah, so also being able to come as a, as a youth volunteer and help teach other kids when I had aged out of the program was was also one thing that provided me a lot of yeah, yeah, provided me opportunities to really expand on the service mindset that I that I have at Wanaki. Yeah, definitely. It seems like such a cool program. And the more I learn about it, the more I think it's so awesome that Wanaki could provide that outlet um, for kids and adults, people and adults. It's true. We I remember also helping teach some um, adult counselors who did not had zero swimming competencies, you know, teaching them how to float safely, how to breathe underwater um, and that kind of thing. And that's, I think, it's a very important life skill that um, maybe has gone to the wayside again. So who knows, there could be a, a resurgence sometime in the future. Yeah. Maybe, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Amelia, I know you you mentioned, and I, I know you from uh, your time as a camper, as a, as a survival camper. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious for you how the, what kept you coming back to survival year after year? I, I, yes, I was a loyal survival camper and 
for me, um, similar to you and the idea that uh, you can kind of like level up each year, it was the same idea in the survival program. So you started out, uh, I believe it was water, and then you moved to earth level, and then fire, and there was a cohort of us who moved through all three of those levels, and the directors... Um, Kat, Dan, and yourself were like, oh, we have to create something else for these people. So then we had wind and then we kept saying like, we, we want more. And so then there was ultimate. And I think it was just this idea that each summer I could come back and build on what I had already learned and also learn something new. Um, just it, it was fascinating to me. And I loved learning about um, the wilderness and survival techniques. I loved hearing the survival stories that we tell around the fire each night. And I remember so many of those stories, um, even now. And, uh, I carry a lot of the traits that we talked about in survival camp with me. Um, I think I am currently uh, a woofer, which is a wilderness first responder. And I don't think that without survival camp, I would have had that drive to want to get a certification like that or learn how to do search and rescue. Um, so for me, it was the, the elements of the program and also the people. I just really loved making these friends that kept coming back. And even though we might not be in contact uh, during the school year, especially when we were younger, uh, we'd show up at the picnic tables on Sunday and be like, oh, hey, I know you. you. You were my site last year. And we're able to pick up right where we left off. And there's a one site that I think kind of solidified for me that I just loved camp and also survival camp um, where everyone was just friends in the site. And I think, you know, in med all of our years at camp, you do get some really special sites. You know, every week is good for its, its own reasons, but sometimes it just hits the nail right on the head. And that was one of those sites where we all won one game of Gaga ball that week. And we all made up ridiculous fruit and vegetable nicknames for each other. And we all sat, on Friday night in the Astrodome and went around and said things we liked about each other. And we were like 11 years old, you know, pretty young. Um, but I have that site photo and I look back and there's just so much joy on all of our faces. And I think for me, it was that sense that each site was really a team um, and learning how to do these survival skills and then spending a night out in the woods together really does bond you as a group. And so I think that's why I just, kind of connected so well to the survival program and believe in it so much as um, an important part um, or an important program for campers um, who are looking for that outlet. I think, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, Shannon, what about, what about you? What are some of those, what are some of those reasons that, that you kept coming back or um, things that, things that made Wanaki so special for you that you have been coming back uh, since you were four years old? What is the, what's the secret sauce for Shannon? <laughs> I think, I think similarly, though I didn't, um, I didn't have like a program that I was very loyal to. I think that I came back for a lot of the same reasons that it was, I would see old friends that it was so easy to fit back into the community and to feel included and accepted. Um, I think um, definitely my senior high, my senior high years were some of the most memorable. And those were like, mm -hmm. when I think back to like my, my time as a camper, that's definitely where I have like my most profound and my most special memories. And I think that a lot of it had to do with um, 
with with the friends that I would come back and see um, again and again. Um, I went to senior high both times with Phoebe, who I had been a You and Me camper with maybe two two or three of the years that I did You and Me. Um, and there were some other some other kids in that site that I had known throughout my years as a camper. And it was always really fun to come back to to senior high and to see everyone again and to just like really be able to bond with your site. Um, and I think that that like the community and like the family and the team that you build within your, within your little groups was always really important to me. And I've mm-hmm. stayed really important as I've, I've worked here. I think some of my, some of my best memories of counseling have been when a site has really just been able to build community and bond yeah. um, and create a little family mm. and, something I really love about Wanaki and something that I have always cherished. Yeah, definitely. It is, it is so special. You have like your big Wanaki family and then your the week long mm-hmm. little site family that you get, which is so cool. And we've been talking about this a little bit on staff this summer, just getting to know people's history with camp as we've, you know, embarked on this podcast project mm-hmm. that some people were loyal yeah. uh, campers to certain programs and, and a lot of people just jumped around. And I think that you know, like so many people from your years as just doing so many different programs. And it's so funny because I feel like I know a certain set of a subset of people. But I think then looking back on our young years, going through old photos, so many of us realized that we were actually in sites together. And you and I were in a site together. With a couple of other, a couple of other staff. staff. Yeah. Um, That was, that was the first time that I came to camp by myself. I don't know, um, because I did my, my you and me years um, for Captivating Creatures. And yeah, I remember I was really nervous that week. I was always a nervous kid um, and it was pretty scary to be there by myself and I remember being a little sad and then I made friends with this other girl in my site whose name was Mia um, on probably like late the first day or maybe the second day and then I was like oh it can be really fun here without my mom Mm -hmm. Um, I can make friends and I had so many so many silly memories um, in the cabin I think we were in site two Um, and I found out this year (laughs) Um, that Mia was actually Amelia, and that she just <laughs> went by a different name that week. <laughs> this is the only three days in my life I've ever gone by Mia. But, yeah, we and have... uh, why why were you Mia exactly? So actually, another staff member, Holly, um, has a friend Amelia who always they were you know campers together. They always came together, and so I showed up at the picnic table on Sunday, and they were like, "Well, there's already Amelia. Do you have a nickname you'd like to go by?" And I was like, "Uh, uh." I my dad calls me Mia sometimes. And they're like, great, that's it. <laughs> You're Mia. Um, but I do, yeah, I have really good memories of being at Squam Lake with that yes, site, yes. <laughs> climbing on the jungle gym. Mm-hmm. Oh, Squ- you went to Squam Lake, I'm sure, Nicole. I went as a, I think I was a driver one time when I was a maintenance person. I think I was driving the van. Okay. Uh, that that's probably the only time I've been in association with Wanaki. Oh, wow. But yeah. You also, so I, I was never a counselor for a summer, which I have feelings about. Mm. Um, but... I didn't know that about you, actually, because you were always just yeah. my counselor. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I worked on maintenance for two summers. And then, um, Shannon, you and I have in common that we took a year off, which, uh, yeah, there's there's pros and cons to every decision. Um, 
but then I also came back and was program director. So I was, uh, I never had a, a full summer with all the different experiences as a counselor. Mm. So a lot of the iconic Wanaki experiences, um, I never had because also the, the, I was a loyal, loyal camper for one, for one camp, um, for I guess five years. Um, so even things like sleeping in the field, I didn't do that until one year after survival camp. Um, I had told Kat Reed that I have never slept in the field. And I think we had a Friday checkout that year. And so she said, okay, we're sleeping in the field tonight. Oh. And it was awesome. Yeah. And then I wake up to her whispering to me and she says, Nicole, don't be scared, <laughs> but there's cows like oh, 10 feet away Lord. from us. And I, I opened my eyes and I tried to look very carefully and there were cows from uh, Jennifer's farm, the neighbor of the uh, log cabin. They had made their way through the woods, which they have done on occasion, but there were three or four cows very, very close to us. So that was um, certainly a memorable moment, but I, I never had that as a, as a camper. So the cows or as a counselor that happened to me. When I was a you and me camper, the cows also came down to the field. I remember what? looking out the windows on the stairs in the rec hall with my mom. And there were cows. And there were cows out there. And I remember the counselor saying, yeah, this happens sometimes. Normal. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they make their way over the little fence and just walk through the woods until they find a nice place to hang out. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember wrangling cows a few times as a staff member. It was uh, interesting. Wow. <laughs> that is so funny. What, yeah. what a notable first experience sleeping mm -hmm. in the fields. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Nicole, we heard recently um, that you were involved in the creation of something that oh. Amelia and I really love. Yeah. Um, Hardy stir fry, perhaps the best cookout. HSF, if you will. <laughs> oh, it it is the best. It is the best cookout. Um, it's if you have not been to Wanaki in the last 15 years, you probably have not experienced this, but if you have, you have definitely experienced mm, it. Yes. Um, I'd like to, before you know the origins, um, I'd like to hear from the two of you what you thought, if you can remember, the first time your counselors described what you were going to be having for dinner. Oh. Do you know? And or what some ca campers that you've had oh. react when, when they learn what's for dinner. <laughs> yeah, oh. that is more memorable to yes, me. Um, I don't remember a time not liking hearty stir fries. So I'm sure there was a moment when mm -hmm. a counselor said to me there would be apples in my pasta that I was <laughs> not thrilled. Oh, I feel like the complaint that I get a lot oh. as a counselor is the cabbage. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that is. That's yes. true. Yeah, there's definitely the, the campers that turn their nose up mm -hmm. and are hungry, so they do try it, and then are loyal HSF people. I did have a camper, <laughs> a camper that I've had a couple of times every time that we've made hearty stir fry. Um, this camper will take like the inside of the cabbage that we haven't used um, because like we used enough of the outside leaves and just eat it like an apple. So oh. it is popular with some. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah. So the, uh, the the wonderful ingredients to hearty stir fry are uh, you've got your sausage, your onion, mm -hmm. your apple, your cabbage, your sage. Oh, yes. Very important. Yes. Um, a little bit of salt and pepper and cheese, of course, along with your pasta. Of course. Um, so I was a counselor in the site that tried this for the first time at Wanaki. And uh, I think it was 
Mike Nuttall, um, who was the adventure programmer in 2004, 2005, he had done a lot of research on different recipes to kind of up our cookout game at Wanaki. And uh, he told me about this and he's like, will you try it? And I said, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And I was counseling the LIT group with Jen Wellman. We had, I think, five five or six girls canoe to monkey island with all our stuff and you know we told them what we were making and they were pretty game but they were like this is this is gonna be weird um but they were they were good sports about it and let me tell you that is a magical combination of food between the apple the cabbage sage very important people if you make it at home you got to have a touch um but we had probably enough food for 12 people i can't say that we ate it the seven or eight of us but we probably ate almost almost everything because it was just so good. And we also had, you know, at least a full gallon bags worth of cheese. I mean, that was <laughs> essential. Um, yes. Yeah. Really. So two, 2005, you can thank Mike Nuttall for bringing, um, bringing Hardy Stir Fry to Wanakin for the brave LIT campers for trying it and, mm. and also telling the rest of the campers how good it was. And yes. they were not lying about that. Mm-hmm. We are very grateful. We are so grateful. <laughs> Thank you. So special. <laughs> I, one of those things I make year round. Like at home, I recently had one of a friend who I camped with a long time ago text me and be like, I need the recipe for Hardy Stir Fry. I was like, what do you mean? You don't remember? But it's just, some, it's a classic. It's a, ve- it's a very well-balanced, uh, well-balanced dish. Yeah. yeah. Are there some other, other traditions or other special things that you... Um you think were like created in your staff years or that were really important when you were on staff? Hmm. Created during the staff years that I'd, I'd have to maybe come back to that in another podcast. (laughs) Um, But I, I I will say for those who were staff members during Dave Vachon's time as the head cook, um, you will be familiar with the game, um, which involves a spoon for every person and a pint of Ben and Jerry's for every person. And you can imagine the rest of that game. Um, It was, uh, it was always memorable. Uh, We only played it with staff. um, And, you know, that was, uh, that was always entertaining. And I think um, James Tresner and I disagree on this. But the the Cinnabon that was always the worst flavor. The, just, I very few of us enjoyed the the cinnamon ice cream. Most other things were tolerable. But um, yeah, take a bite, pass it along. Take a bite, pass it along. That was um, that was a thing that we did in my staff days. Very healthy. <laughs> um, what about what about you guys? What are some traditions that you have uh, that you have with your staffing group today? Not necessarily this year, but just in, during your, your time on staff. Sure. I think that um, for me, one of the best nights of the entire year, I think, is going to Horton Center, which is a sister camp um, of the UCC variety in northern New Hampshire. So about, I don't know, two hours north of here. Mm-hmm. And we hike up this little ledge um, to the most beautiful view mm-hmm 
probably one of the most beautiful views I've ever seen in my whole life. And we sleep on top of this mountain that overlooks the presidentials. You can see Washington and other mountains in the whites. And we sleep there and wake up just sometimes in a cloud. And I don't know, for me, there's something about sleeping outside, being on the top of this mountain with the people that you've spent all summer working so hard alongside. Right. We always go on like the last yeah. last week of camp and it's just so special to be with everyone mm-hmm. together for like one last big event and like just yeah. the most beautiful place. Yeah, we're going tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So we're so excited. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Enjoy. Yeah, it's so nice to just have that culminating experience mm-hmm. and we laugh and share memories. Bowl of nouns is often played. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. That's a classic. Yes. For sure. Um, I'm also aware that uh, that you have not you specifically, perhaps, but you as a group of people have um, an affinity to Walmart, which also was a thing, which also was a thing in my day. But I, I'd love to hear um, what the what the staff's view of of Walmart is. Mm. Shannon, would you explain? You know, I don't know the exact origins. I feel like it. I think it predates us a little bit. Yeah. But it was always, by the time that Amelia and I started working here, it had become a thing that we would go on the fancy Walmart trip where we would put on our usually one fancy outfit that we would bring Mm -hmm. to camp for the summer. And Crocs. And Crocs. And we would all, on the same night, all 20-whatever of us would go to Walmart together. Yes. Um, for nothing in, in particular. Just, just for, <laughs> you know, for funds. And camp things you need, bug spray and yes. snacks. And the internationals yes, yes. would come. It, and yes. that was the biggest yes. part, I think, yes. is getting to show them Walmart. Yeah, inter- yeah internationals love Walmart. That's, that's mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> it's definitely an event. Um, yeah, we, we also experienced... Uh, a few Walmart shopping sprees. I, I gave up on those pretty quickly, but was, um, yeah, that, that was a big thing on Saturdays, uh, especially after the first week or two of camp, mm-hmm. um, collecting things that you realize you needed, like a headlamp and other, mm-hmm. other such things. We, we, in my day, we got, um, dressed up on Saturday after the campers went home to go to McDonald's. That was our, oh, yes. so that was our fancy dress McDonald's <gasps> ritual on Saturdays. So, oh, so camp. It's really so camp. It's so camp. Yep. <laughs> we have to dress uh, up to go out. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I always hated that, but that's, that's just a personal, is a personal thing. Mm. Um, but I, I still did it. I, I did my best. <laughs> Yeah. Sure. Thinking back to where each of us kind of started off at camp, we we each each of the three of us um, came to camp as as young kids, and we've stuck through for a lot of years, and the you know have worked also on summer staff. Um, I know I had a connection to my local church growing up, as I've heard that you both have had as well. Mm. But I'm curious to hear how your experiences at Wanaki have impacted your your own faith? Yeah, for me, Wanaki was a big part of my faith. Um, and actually, recently, I found some journal entries that are really something else. Honestly, maybe we should put them in the show notes. They're, they're so funny that I wrote uh, in 2010 or 2011. 
Um, and in those journal entries, I, I don't know, I guess I was writing to God. I don't know, Shannon, you've seen these journal entries. I, I, at some point it became clear that I was writing to God because I was mm-hmm. saying like, thank you God for this. And like, God kept us safe or like things like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. it was very apparent looking back that I had some level of faith at such a young age, which is very striking to me as an adult. Um, and I think that came from just this place feeling so comfortable to express the, the faith I had, um, and getting to grow in that. And I don't, um, I don't think that it really was a big part of my life until I was older. Like it was, it was a part of my life. And then actively I pursued faith, uh, in high school and camp really became a place for me to deconstruct what I knew and reconstruct, um, a faith that, you know, felt right to me as a Christian and especially my staff years camp has just been this place so that I can come at any point in my faith journey, the very highs and the very lows that I think I've experienced the past four summers. And as the faith formation coordinator or spiritual leader, as some like to say, <laughs> uh, I've gotten to really teach and, and learn alongside the campers and kind of go back to that childlike faith that I used to have um, I have this one very vivid memory of, well, I guess vivid, it was a couple years ago, of campers drawing a picture of on earth as it is in heaven. Just a simple thing. And it was so beautiful just to see them drawing these images of just the things that they loved most in the world. And I was so touched by it. And at the end, they said, we want you to have this like poster that they had made. And I hung it up on my wall the rest of the summer. And I think I'm just since then chasing after this childlike faith that I used to have at camp and kind of trying to reconnect with that as I build um, my faith and go on my faith journey as an adult. So for me, camp has been that place to reconnect and recenter, deconstruct if needed and, and go out into the world feeling a little more centered and balanced in, in that. So what about you, Shan? Yeah, I think, I think similarly, I I grew up going to church and I was involved in my church and in my youth group and I went on our mission trips, but it always felt, um, it always felt like faith was easiest when I was here. Um, It was just like always so easy to fit in. It never felt like you needed to know everything about, about God or about the Bible to be a part of the community Mm -hmm. and to be Mm -hmm. a person with faith. And that was really, really important and really special to me. Um, particularly as a teen. Um, and I think working at Wanakee has definitely allowed me to stay connected to my faith through college. Um, in like in a time when I don't really know where else I, I could have found, um, some of the opportunities like I've had here. Yeah. So that's been really great. Definitely. What about you, Nicole? Yeah, I had a very strong connection to my local church growing up. And, uh, but Wanaki is really where I think I was able to explore my faith more. And because I came as a, as a young kid, but also I attended camp through high school and served on staff, a lot of my, the really um, significant faith formation came in my teens and young twenties um, years. And, and it was definitely like I always I always felt like a Christian Hmm. but I it was kind of more 
mental than it was like I was a Christian in my head, but maybe not as much in my heart. Like I didn't have, um, I didn't have a lot of emotion about it. You know, I believed in God. I believed in Jesus um, when I was growing up, but I think it was through the experiences that I had at Wanaki that I really felt called to be a Christian in, in my heart and in my head, um, both of those things. And, um, you know, Shannon, you touched on senior high being an important part of your Wanaki journey. And, and for me, my time at senior high also is a big part of my faith journey and feeling, um, feeling called to be, feeling called to be a Christian during, uh, an evening worship. Um, we had an anointing ceremony when I was 15 or 16 years old. And I just remember being in the rec hall with 60 other kids, um, you know, 60 other teenagers. And we had a very, I don't want to say somber mood. It wasn't somber. It was just like very serious, but peaceful. Um, and if we felt called to be anointed with the holy oil, we were invited to come to the front and do that. And I remember feeling nervous as I was kind of standing in the line to go up to the front and just like my heart was pounding and racing and racing. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and um, I don't know what he said to me, but it was Peter, Reverend Peter Hay, who um, has a long connection with Wanaki. He was one of the directors of senior high and he did the anointing. And I don't know what he said, but it's like the second that oil touched my head, I, I felt like a different person. I felt mm. at peace. And I, so looking back on it with, um, you know, in hindsight, that I would say is, is the moment that I really felt called to be a Christian. And, and mm. that was, um, you know, I, that kind of experience, I wouldn't have been able to have in the same way in my church life or in, in other places. So it was something that um, Wanaki is sort of, Wanaki was the place for God to call me. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a powerful story. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I definitely think it's really awesome that everyone can experience a, a different kind of faith here and that we all have different things that have connected with us. And that is such a, a unique story that I really love. I love hearing how people have come to grow in their faith here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, we have talked for almost an hour. Look at yeah. us go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we, you can talk for camp for day about camp for days. <laughs> Truly. Um, but I guess before we end, there is one question that we're going to end all of our episodes with. Uh, and that is, what is one life lesson that you learned at Wanaki? Because anyone who's come to camp probably knows that you learn a lot of different things um, throughout your time in, in whatever capacity that is. But we're going to extract one life lesson we like to share and um, close our episode with that. So, Nicole, would you do the honors and go first? Yeah, I, the lesson I would share with you, our listeners, is to try to live life with an open mind. At, in, in the camp setting, that looks like a lot of different things, being open to meeting new people, to forming those new families in, in a short way, and being open to new experiences, or being open to hear what God's call is for you. 
And um, that, that attitude to live, to live with an open mind, to be open to all of the, the amazing things that, that God may lead you to in your, your life outside of Wanaki is what I, is what I would encourage you to, um, to try to do in a lesson that I definitely take away from camp. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. What about you, Amelia? Um, yes, I think mine would be, this is going to come off cliche, but learn how to dance in the rain, uh, which is, it's a cliche statement. But I think at camp, there have been so many moments where I have not only danced, but done um, different things in the rain, built a fire, dug for t-shirts at the waterfront for 45 minutes, 20 minutes. <laughs> I felt like 45 as a 10 year old. <laughs> um, but so many things that have happened in the rain that have created such good memories. And there was a time as a counselor where I was with a bunch of campers. I, um, and they wanted to dance in the rain. And I was like, why, why would you want to dance in the rain? We're standing under the dry recall porch and we're about to go up for our fire. And they were insistent. And then all of a sudden there was like 15 um, teenage to young, like eight-year-old girls just screaming and dancing and laughing in the rain. And I was like, all right, I have to go join them. But then it ended up being this awesome experience of everyone doing something in the rain for fun and to me just remembering that you know the rain doesn't have to stop you literally but also figuratively you can just embrace what's happening and make the best of it in any situation and make it fun um is something that I've learned how to do at camp and I carry with me in all the different seasons of my life that don't involve being directly at Wanaki. what about you Shan I think there's so many lessons, but I think I learned a lot and I'm still learning a lot about reflection and about, um, about like embracing the un, the unexpected things. Mm. I think similar to what Amelia said, but I look back on, on some of my counseling experiences and particularly I had one week that in the moment felt really tough. Um, and I felt like I wasn't doing my job well. I felt like the week wasn't going well. And now I look back on that week and I talk with, um, the, the people that I counseled that program with and it, we just have so many positive memories and there were so many good outcomes for the kids that week and I think um, I think I learned a lot by working here is that sometimes in the moment you don't know exactly the impact that something is going to have and you don't know exactly um, exactly the way you will feel about something after but it's okay to look back and um, to recognize mm. you know the power of some of those moments um, yeah yeah Definitely, for sure. Thanks for sharing, everyone. Good life yeah. lessons. Yes. Well, um, I must say, this is the end of the end of our podcast. Podcast. This is um, the end of. Nicole, um, yeah. We said that we would. We were not going to sing on the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, you're you're right. You're right. Um. Well, then I guess we'll just have to say that this is the end of our first episode. Yay. <laughs> yeah. We hope you enjoyed listening um, and hearing a little bit more about us and our Wanaki stories. You can follow along with all of the happenings from Wanaki on our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at WanakiNH, or you can learn more about our programs on our website, wanaki.org. And be sure to tune in to our next episode to hear some more from more Wanaki voices. 
Grace, Grace and Denise. Denise.